This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Hi, this is Marina Sirdis, Deanna Troy from Star Trek The Next Generation. You're listening to Trek FM. P.O. Greyheart. Welcome, listeners, to another cup of Earl Grey, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the next generation. I'm your host, Amy Nelson, and joined with me today is the wonderful Joe Keegan and amazing Justin Ozer. Joe, hello. How are you? Amy, we've only got two weeks to go. Yay! And then I can like reach out and I'll be able to physically touch you. It's amazing. Yes. I'm so excited. Oh. Uh, to, Very excited. To, Star Trek Las Vegas is coming up, listeners. Mm-hmm. So, and yes. if you don't go, you have to get your life in order and just go and experience Star Trek Las Vegas. Yes. If you can't make it this year, come next year. Now, Justin, we're going to see you there, too, as well. Woohoo! That's right. I will be there at Star Trek Las Vegas as we record this. It's a couple weeks. When this comes out, it'll only be a little over a week. So very, very exciting. And listeners, if you're there, you can see all three hosts of Earl Grey, potentially, if you catch us all hanging out together in the hallway. Because we will be doing that. We will! This is so exciting, you guys. <laughs> yeah. Oh, awesome. Amy, are you going to well, cry? Let's... Are you going to cry again? Are you, are you going to cry, <laughs> aren't you? Uh, now oh. I'm going to wait. Save the tears. Goodbyes. Save the tears. Uh, yeah. Got some fun things planned, so very nice. excited. And you're baking a cake. Can't wait for that. Yeah, we're going to talk. I've got I've got an idea. I was going. thinking I had a, an idea um, that you could do like a scale model of the Enterprise D, like screen accurate. But when you uh-huh. when you cut into it, you take a slice, you can see the blueprints. Oh, right. Like the deck <laughs> and plans. It, and, and, and it's a big enough cake you can slice into it and see all 42 decks, right? All 42 <laughs> decks, like all 3,300 bedrooms. Right? Uh-huh. Yep. Cetacean oh. ops, all sorts. Yeah. The gymnasium. Well, I don't know. Amy might <laughs> yes. need some time. Maybe next year. <laughs> I know. You've only got two oh. weeks, so better get back. Yeah, I've got two weeks yeah. to perfect it. All I right. Know. Yes. Well, hey, Joe, we have an iTunes giveaway. Why don't you remind our listeners about it? So, yeah, if you listen to Earl Grey, you will already know about our iTunes giveaway. But um, from now or from the beginning of July until the 31st of August or August 31st, um, we are doing an iTunes giveaway. So if you do a, a review on iTunes and leave a star rating, you will be put into the draw for an amazing gift, which has been donated by our listener and associate producer, Chris Tribuzio. 
So yeah, the gift that has been, or the prize for the the iTunes giveaway, um, is a set of TNG collector cards. Um, if you go onto the Babel conference, you'll be able to see some photos of them, and they look really good. I might actually have to enter as and using a pseudonym. Is that allowed? Well, no, it is not. Hosts of Trek FM are not eligible. Damn the small print. or their families. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll Chris my... wants to give it away to a listener, not a host. Yeah. I listen. Okay, that's fair enough. Yes, these, are, these are the way yeah. these competitions go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, listeners, we do have some Babel Conference feedback from our uh, EG282, where we did our Lost Episodes Part 8. So, Justin, why don't you start us off? Yeah, so that was the episode where we talked about Genius's pain and the alternate version of Generations. So Vera Bible said, love the episode. I agree with the general consensus that the episode did not sound that great. And she, here she's talking about Genius's pain. I kept envisioning the scene from the TNG episode, Cost of Living, where Loxana takes Alexander to the holodeck and there are mimes, a fire breather, that head in a bubble, etc. It's Star Trek trying to be wacky and funny, and most of the time that does not work. All the listener suggestions sounded much more enjoyable. Amy, you brought up how they should have used Troy more other than as an object of desire, and I 100% agree. I think that statement could apply to most of the series. Both she and Beverly were woefully underused slash misused. Well, thank you, Vera, for your comments. I think I agree with all of them. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, I was, you know, and I put in the Babel conference, like I was thinking of cost of living in that floating bubble and just yeah. how silly that episode was and you know, it's not one of my go-to episodes because of that, but I appreciate what it was trying to do. Um, so Vera, I definitely agree with you. I kind of like the silliness of cost of living and all the stuff that's going on. It's kind of well, fun. Yeah, because it tempers and, you know, is in contrast to the heart of the episode. Right. Yeah. I think, what do you think, Joe? I think we maybe all thought of cost of living when we were um, doing that episode, um, I couldn't remember the name of the episode "Cost of Living" when we were recording, so it didn't mention it. But just the 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 pranky nature of those alien guys um, yeah. and the the wackiness of the holodeck characters they've got. Um, I, yeah, Amy, I agree. I it's not one of my go-to episodes. It kind of irritates me, so I tend to skip over it. Sorry. So, uh, Kimberly Lawler says, Thanks for a nice episode. I think the reason I didn't like either Lost episode is they didn't have any obvious character development angle or particularly interesting sci-fi concept. Ron Moore and Brandon Braga were usually good for hitting both angles. I have major issues with the way they handled both in the gen actual Generations movie. Um, but at least they tried. And they did a fantastic job with all good things, of course. With the Generations concept, I think Justin is right in that many people would have been disappointed with, the with a hologram only, with only a hologram of Kirk, sorry, um, just as they were disappointed with the Enterprise finale for similar reasons. Yeah, thanks for your comment, Kimberly. Um, do you know what? I, my knowledge of like kind of showrunners and producers and directors is kind of really limited. So when you mentioned Ron Moore and Brannon Braga, um, that is not something that had ever occurred to me um, that they'd kind of been on point in terms of their their sci-fi content um, concepts and character development angles. So new knowledge to me. Um, 
anytime I think we discussed that during the episode when they when they were toying with the idea of having a hologram for Kirk. I think we mentioned the Enterprise finale and how it just been paying kind of lip service, but without any real point to it. And I don't think fans would have appreciated that very much. Yeah, I mean, definitely if you're in the theater and you're expecting this big thing crossing over between the two different crews and it was just a hologram of Kirk, that would have been pretty disappointing. As far as the Enterprise finale, like, I think the first time that I saw Enterprise, I really hated it. But in subsequent rewatches, I've come to enjoy aspects of it and and know where it's coming from. Certainly far, far from a favorite, but I probably like it more than most. Oh, well, mm-hmm. I just admitted that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, we have Greg Malumbi who writes, love the episode. This lost episode seemed too basic for me. As for a TNG character in a movie, what about Tomalak? I still want a real Romulan dominated Trek movie. Greg, I uh, completely agree with you. I really wanted a Romulan uh, movie. I was hoping the insurrection was going to be that Romulan So I definitely am with you. And I commented on the Babel conference. I'm like, what about Nemesis? But we all know that's not really the Romulan natured movie that we really, really want. It's it's not an intense focus. I mean, Romulans are in it, but it really focuses more on Remans and this human clone Shinzon, right? So I'm hoping certainly in the Picard series, it seems like maybe we might get a Romulan main character hoping for that. I think that would be really cool because they need to be more explored. I think they've cast a young male actor um, and there's a rumor circulating or maybe it's just a feeling that I have Uh-oh. that Rumors. he's going to be a young kind of Romulan refugee that's in it's, Picard's it's possible. gang. Here, here's the thing. They're going to probably reveal some details at San Diego Comic-Con, yes. which happens before this episode airs. So whatever speculation we have, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. We'll know more very, very soon, which is exciting. I would have loved a Tomalock related episode or movie. Um, I really love the actor that played Tomalock, Andreas Katsoulis. I'm also yeah. a big Babylon 5 fan, and I really loved his character of Jakar. So, yeah, Tomalock is a, is a good suggestion, Greg. Yeah, definitely. Well, and that came from when we were had a bonus question about TNG characters we want to see in the movies that didn't appear there. So thank you again, listeners, and Greg, for listening that far. And... Uh, for our bonus questions on that. So, well, we have Matthew Bell who says, I always like these dives into the lost episodes, but the exploration of the original generation script was what I love the most. For years, I've only heard snippets of this abandoned movie idea. And while I was really hoping for a more full synopsis, it's still good to hear what has survived. Regarding my comment on the podcast about the blueprints, I have a confession. I dug my set of blueprints out of the attic last night and realized that my years old memory had somewhat overestimated the crew quota. Oops. The actual number of beds is 3,392. I stand by my original point, though. Why do crew ever have to share quarters? So thank you, Matthew, for your comments. First, glad you enjoyed us delving into that kind of lost generation script. It was interesting, the insights into it, although it wasn't as full as some of the other things we've seen. So glad you enjoyed that. And your comment about the blueprints. So you had commented that some years ago, I guess many years ago, you had counted up all of the different crew quarters and found that it was about 5,000. Apparently you dug it out, overestimated it somewhat, but 
you do have a pretty exact number here, 3,392. So we do believe you that you counted them all and you were just misremembering a bit, a bit. But still, that's quite a bit more than the crew compliment. And it is a good point. Why do crew have to share quarters if there's far more than a thousand different places <laughs> that people can sleep? So I'm trying to think of an example where we saw crew share quarters that weren't in some kind of family unit. And I can't think of anything. Oh, I can imagine like uh, cadets being bunked together, maybe. But yeah, I'm I'm trying to remember. I mean, the thing about TNG though is that we saw primarily the officers and what was happening with them. We didn't really see the enlisted personnel or what mm. was happening. I mean, one place where we've definitely seen sharing of crew quarters is Discovery, yeah. right? Where you have Burnham and Tilly sharing quarters. Presumably, others do as well. I'm trying to think if you really see that on some of the other series. I don't know if you do, but again, we're mostly following officers, so that might be different. Interesting. Yeah, yeah interesting point for sure. Yeah, Matthew, thank you for digging out your blueprints. That's really some dedication and still counting each bed, 3,392. That's pretty impressive. Yes. So thank you, Matthew. Special commendation to Matthew Bell for actually yes. doing that insurmountable task. 3,392 stars for Matthew Bell. <laughs> yes. That's right. <laughs> well, let's get on to today's discussion. Very excited to continue our delete, deleted scene. So, Justin, why don't you get us going? Yeah, so first of all, this will be the second time we're doing this. The first time it was seasons one and two because there was basically just one thing we found for season one and for season two is a combination of some things on the, the Blu-rays as well as things from Trek Core. Now, as far as season three, there are no deleted scenes on the Blu-ray at all. But there is still something for us to talk about because Trek Corps again came through some years ago uh, because they get these, these tapes from people I think that worked on the show uh, that has some deleted scenes that for whatever reason didn't make it onto the Blu-rays. So we actually have quite a few uh, across some different episodes. So the episodes we'll be talking about are Evolution, The Bonding, The Defector, and Sins of the Father. And there's, there's quite a few uh, scenes to talk about here. Now, as I was going through it, uh, because I hadn't really watched these before, really delved into these, a lot of them are fairly minor, but I think there's still some, some interesting stuff to talk about here. Um, so... And listeners, I should also let you know, because this is on Trek or in the show notes, we'll put links to where you can find all of these and, and watch them for yourselves. Uh, so let's talk first about evolution. So when Trek Corps did this, it was in two parts. It had one that had six scenes and one that had five different scenes. So we'll talk about the one that had uh, six scenes first. So as listeners might remember, Evolution is the first episode of season three, and that's all about the nanites and Dr. Stubbs and his research and the conflict that happens there, which I think is a pretty good episode. Um, so we're going to talk about the different scenes here. I guess I should say first, Joe, you weren't on the last one for deleted scenes. So like, did you have an expectation coming in about this? Um, to expect the unexpected? Okay. <laughs> Possibly. Um, yeah, every podcast I do is something new and interesting because I've been doing it for less than six months, I think. So um, it's still, still very new and I'm still learning a lot. So um, I haven't seen, I hadn't seen any of these deleted scenes from season three um, mm -hmm. because they're not on the Blu-rays, obviously. And I usually yeah. try and watch all the additional footage that were given on Blu-rays and kind of 
DVD editions of things that I buy. Yeah. And as we go on, there will be more across other seasons on the Blu-rays. But Amy, had you seen these ones that, that uh, Trek Core has before? Well, I, yes, give mad credits to Trek Core. I mean, the way that they have put the deleted scenes in, mm-hmm. meshed into is just, it's really very well done. And I would recommend you listeners to go check it out because it's it's very worthwhile, I feel. Um, the one that I did see because I watched the Orville with uh, Scott Grimes and uh-huh. he is in evolution. So I did see those uh, two deleted scenes that he was in, in okay. preparation for watching the Orville and doing a podcast okay. about that. Yeah. And, and listeners, if you watch these, it's a pretty interesting experience because what Trek Corps has done is they've taken the time to give you the context of where it is within the aired episode. So you'll see the HD version and then you'll know you're in the deleted scene because it looks like an old videotape <laughs> and sometimes it'll kind of go back and forth. So it's pretty easy to tell like what was inserted in. So let's talk about evolution. So uh, the first scene that's here, it's it's toward the beginning of the episode, um, and in the aired episode, Picard is talking with Stubbs on the bridge, and you know they're standing by to 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 launch this thing. So there's a deleted scene where Stubbs is talking to Wesley. He's asking him how long the experiment will last. Wesley gives him a pretty precise answer: a billionth of a second. Um, less and than he a says, billionth of a second. Less, sorry, less than a billionth of a second. You're right. It wasn't quite as precise, but that's a very small period of time. Uh, so Wesley then says he's read all of Stubbs' published works. Um, and Stubbs is kind of a bit taken aback by that. And then it kind of goes back into the the aired episode for the launch. So it's kind of this short little thing, but you do see that Wesley, I think later in the episode, he you find out he's kind of read something in Stubbs' unauthorized biography. But this is like he's read all of his published work, so he's kind of totally into it. <laughs> so uh, let me see. What did you guys think about this little scene, Joe? Um, I think everything we see of Dr. Stubbs and all these deleted scenes helps to serve, um, make him a more rounded character, make him appear more human. Uh, from memory the way we see him in the actual aired episode. He just seems like some weird stereotype of a kind of a grumpy scientist that's got this monocular vision that his science is the most important thing and come hell or high water, he wants to get the science done. Um, So all the little snippets, especially I think the next one that we'll talk about um, in sickbay, it really does does him a service and make him appear more likeable. And I think in this one where he's talking to Wesley, he does come across as a little bit more human and personable. So I, I think evolution in general, all these deleted scenes are the the scenes where I wish they'd actually made it mm. into the episode. Okay. And Amy, go ahead. With, with this scene, I found it interesting that they're setting Wesley up again to sort of know everything, you know, like Dr. Subs questions him. And yes, he knows the answer because Wesley always knows the answer. And I I liked, I wish that they would have kept that because it again sort of plays into, as we talk a little further about the importance that Wesley is in this episode. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think I tend to agree. It's like a, a short little bit, but it just, yeah, it gives it Stubbs a little more rounded character and it shows you even more how much Wesley is like into his, his work. So, so that's the first one. It's just kind of a, a, a short sequence. So then the second one, 
which which I kind of love because of the outfits. But anyway, so Wesley's kind of in a hallway. Um, he's coming down the hall. There's three kids in very brightly colored uh, suits, so outfits. So, I mean, listeners, if you've seen like an image of this or you've seen this deleted scene, it's another one of those cases in Star Trek where there's kind of wacky uh, futuristic clothing. They're kind of, one of them has a blue outfit. The other one's kind of, I don't know, hot pink. The other one's kind of like a lemon. bright yellow yeah. lemon color. <laughs> so there's these three kids that come down the corridor um, and they come by to say hi. And as you mentioned before, Joe, Scott Grimes is, is one of the kids. He kind of says hi. You know, one of the girls says they're going to the holodeck to ski in Switzerland and they're inviting uh, Wesley for that. Wesley can't go. He has to check on Stubbs and sickbay. So again, adding like he's devoted to to making sure Stubbs is okay and his work and all that. Um, So then this Scott Grimes character who's named Eric kind of takes Wesley aside and he's like, I kind of have a problem here. I've got two beautiful girls in a holodeck program. I need you to come with me. I guess it's like a double date kind of thing. And Wesley says, no, no, he has too much to do. And, you know, Eric's kind of disappointed as he walks away. So that's kind of the whole little little sequence but let me start with you amy what did you think of this particular scene i wish that it was there number one because those skiing outfits (laughs) are hilarious classic yeah (laughs) yeah um and i think that again it sets up wesley as a kid and i really don't remember seeing a lot of kids his age i mean outside of you know applying for the academy you know but here we see teenagers on board the Enterprise doing normal things. And I think we do miss out on seeing that. So I wish they would have kept that. And it's just great to see Scott Grimes because I know him as Malloy on the or- the Orville. Oh, nice. Yeah. And actually, Joe, before I go to you, I just want to, I mean, I think you're right, Amy. And Trekcore does point that out here that up until this point, the only other kids we've seen are younger than Wesley. You don't see like teenagers his age. So it would have been nice to see him interact with people his own age. And you can also see how he's different. They're like, hey, let's have fun skiing on the holodeck. He's like, no, I got adult stuff, guys. You know, yeah. so it, it kind of shows he's he's separated out there. But Joe, what did you think of this little scene? Yeah, in terms of Wesley's choice, you can see that it's kind of the choice kind of tears him up. And he's got that kind of starfleet preference. Starfleet professionalism about him, um, where Scott Grimes, Eric, um, Scott Grimes' character says, "I really need you to come along on this day. Um, there's only a fire to keep us warm, and there's going to be an avalanche <laughs> that's going to keep us in the right. the, the log cabin." Oh my God. Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's really corny. Um, but, but you can see Wesley's going, "No, I really can. I've got duties, and they're more important than kind of having fun in the holodeck, which is it's good." for the character to have done that, I think. Um, I do agree with Amy that they should have kept that in. I can imagine being a teenager yeah, on a ship with children and grown adults. You end up as some kind of dysfunctional, malformed young adult, don't you? Mm-hmm. Um, with no yeah. people the same age as you. Um, interesting about the, the ski outfits, the one that Scott Grimes is wearing, the blue stripey. Thing. Uh-huh. You can actually see that in an episode of Deep Space Nine. Really? And it's hanging in Garak's tailor shop, like on display, oh, wow. just as you go in the door. Okay. Wow. That's cool. You've, you've done your memory alpha digging, I see. I, I think it wasn't me, it was Ewan. Ewan spotted it and oh, really? did oh, wow. some digging. Oh. I've got a PA oh, for nice. my podcasting now. So. <laughs> 
Very cool. Yeah. So I would have liked to keep this in. I mean, I think as we talk about this back then, they had to be pretty exact in the time for the episode. So they did have to do these little cuts. I do wonder if nowadays when it can be more variable and you see that with Discovery where, you know, you've had episodes all the way from like 37 minutes to over an hour. If it was variable like that, they could have kept things in like this, but some of them had to go. But yeah, it it is kind of a shame for that one. So, uh, Moving on to the next scene, which is a little bit later, it's Dr. Stubbs and Sickbay. <clears throat> so when you see this, it starts out with the aired part that you're in sickbay and the nurse is asking um, uh, Stubbs to, to, well, actually, there's a little deleted part where the nurse is asking him to lay down. And then there's the aired scene where Wesley kind of sees, sees Stubbs um, and Stubbs saying they're a dynamic team and, uh, and Beverly saying it's good to be back. Stubbs saying, you know, he wouldn't want his mother in space. Then it goes into a little uh, deleted scene, deleted part there. And it's interesting for some of these because it's just like one line and little things. So Stubb is saying that he loved his mother dearly and Crusher asking, you know, if it hurts when she's doing something, I think, on his back. Goes back to the aired scene <laughs> and, and Stubbs is saying his mother was a formidable woman and Wesley says that he knows that. Um, and I think this is where Stubbs is surprised to find out that Wesley read his unauthorized biography because he knows this detail about his mother. So then there's another deleted part where um, and Stubbs is talking about something, I think, in his unauthorized biography that he totally denies a story about the consulate's wife on Belderon. We were just good friends. So it's just kind of like these little things here where you're finding out a little bit more about Stubbs. And I think, as you said before, Joe, maybe making him a little more rounded, a little more human. So what do we think about this one, Joe? Keep it. I like that. Yeah. Like I was saying earlier, it serves to make him kind of give the character more depth and make him more likable. Because in the third episode, he's not a likable person at all. And all these, this, the bit about the consulate's wife um, and those details, it kind of serves to kind of make him a character you kind of want to keep around. Um, mm-hmm. and edit that deleted scene back into the, the episode. So okay. It's really annoying. That boy, why do they need 15 or 16 minutes of adverts in old-fashioned old TV? Because uh, that helped to support pay, the show and pay for it. <laughs> ad, adverts. Does anybody ever watch an advert? An ad, ad break is time for to go in and make a cup of tea. Well, I, I can say, yeah, I can say when, you know, I'm streaming things, I love to go for services that have no commercials because I want to avoid that. But I do watch TV at my mother-in-law's house. She's like 88 years old. So she watches network TV and all of that. So we're there. She's watching the commercials. We are too, because we're there with her. So I actually see quite a bit. <laughs> um, Amy, what do you think? Yeah. So on this one, I think it's, okay to leave out I think what they do show with Stubbs like he's not he has issues with women uh obviously going back to his mother and then it sort of permeates through the deleted scene so I'm sort of glad that they took that out because I was like what what you know especially when we get to the second part Uh, yeah yeah and you know so I just I think it makes him a little bit more egotistical and has that he's not likable. And maybe that's adds to the suspense and buildup of the show, but I'm fine leaving his irritation 
expectation with women out of the episode. Yeah, I mean, that that is true. And we'll see that more. There's one that comes later that that I would have liked left out. But you may have made a, a, a mention of this. But also Trekcore says here that there was some dialogue that was filmed but cut in a later conference lounge scene. So we don't have the video of that, but have the, the script where, where Troy is saying that he doesn't like women very much. And data says odd, the research material in D- Dr. Stubbs includes not a few references from gossip columns. It suggests females find him quite attractive. And Troy says, not this one. <laughs> Actually, I think that would have been great if that was left in because I think you're right, Amy, there, there is this thing that can go on also where in some of this deleted stuff where they're trying to make him like this ladies man or something that's, which is a little weird. Um, so, okay, well, let's keep going. The next scene, it actually starts with an aired part in the observation lounge in order to give you some, some context where Troy's saying Stubbs nonchalance is studied and practiced and, and, um, and saying he'd rather tell the truth. He's telling the truth when he says he'd rather die than leave. And then it cuts over to this deleted scene in, in sick bay. So you see Crusher in sick bay and Eric and one of the girls, teenage girls you've seen before return. So she's been injured. There was an, some kind of accident on the holodeck. Uh, the ground seemed to fall away, but that shouldn't happen in the holodeck. You shouldn't really be able to, to get hurt. So, so Crusher contacts engineering and says to close the holodecks until further notice, which I think is interesting because I don't think otherwise you see like the doctor saying to close the holodecks. Um, and she's saying they've had these different control problems. Um, the girl has a fracture that, that Crusher's going to try to heal. Then the nurse who's there asks if she wants hot chocolate. And the girl kind of smiles to say, yeah, it's weird. And nurse is like, so your tre- broken bones being treated. Would you like hot chocolate? Um, but anyway. Um, oh, come on. You're not going to read the <laughs> quote? <laughs> I don't. Oh, there. I, I don't have the, the specific quote. How, how does oh, it go? The, the nurse asks Annette, the girl with the oh, yeah. injured leg, it's like, you look like you could use something warm inside oh, you. Oh, right, which is a super awkward, weird line. I know. What's, how, who says that? <laughs> you should use something warm inside of you and instead of like, would you like a hot beverage or something? Yeah. But anyway, the implication is she's offering her hot chocolate or something yeah. like that. Um, Annette also says Wes was going to come along. It's a good thing he didn't. And Crusher kind of wasn't aware of this, this thing that happened. Um, Eric saying it's a last minute thing. Um, Annette saying they don't see Wes as much now that he's on the bridge, which gives some interesting context. So the nurse goes to the replicator to get this hot chocolate. And what I should say before I describe this is when you're watching these, it's without music, it's without sound effects or anything. You just see like the raw footage. So you see this this actress like go up to the thing and she's just like, ah, and she's just like screaming and falls down. It feels like super weird. So something's happened to like electrocutor at the replicator or something, but... I mean, I know the character's supposed to be suffering, but I laughed out loud because I didn't expect it because she just kind of goes goes a little crazy and falls down. Um, so the nurse isn't breathing, but Crusher manages to, to revive her. So, like, this is interesting, I think, for a couple of reasons because you get some context that, you know, Wes isn't spending as much time with these teenagers anymore. And you also see that there's a holodeck malfunction. There's this issue with the replicator, whereas in the aired episode, the nanites are only affecting stubs and then with this they're affecting other people on the ship so it kind of feels more dangerous uh amy what did you think of this scene 
Again, this one definitely should have been left in. We need to see more of Beverly. And she here she is doing her job. I really like this uh, in part. You know, she's helping Annette and healing her leg. She's giving the command to shut down the holodex, like using her authority. And I really appreciated seeing that, making that command decision. And then going and saving the nurse's life, you know. And there has been, you know, crap given for her that you know, Crusher isn't the best doctor. She's always killing her patients. Well, no, here she's saving her patient, saves the nurse life. Uh, and that's always good to see. And I agree with you completely. Like Beverly being gone for a year at Starfleet Medical comes back and is getting this insight. So we're learning, you know, about Wesley and Beverly at this in this deleted scene. And she's a little taken back and saddened. I think that Wesley is sort of losing his childhood because he's now on the bridge and has, like you had mentioned, these Starfleet professional obligations and responsibilities. So I, this is a very good scene. One thing I wrote literally in my note, I'm like, crazy lady screaming at replicator. I'm like, <laughs> she was that. I was so shocked. But you're right. We don't have the special effects. You know, maybe something drastic would have happened to her electrocution or something like yeah. you said. So, but yeah, that was so funny to watch. I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. what is she doing? <laughs> and it's always funny when you're watching these because you can hear people shuffling. You can hear like... Open like the doors the opening. Doors, the doors just like opening. They're tapping their chest nothing's coming out they're just tapping it like the hypospray comes up like you don't hear anything they're just pressing something so it's just kind of funny to it's kind of cool to see it before all the special effects and the music but what did you think of this one joe it spoils the illusion of like <laughs> star trek for me because I, I i hear and i see all the effects and i want to believe that that is how it was filmed they just set up a camera and they filmed the action happening um not like I know, I know it's not true, um, and I know that, like the deleted scenes, is how it would have looked when they filmed it. But I kind of wanted there to be all the special effects. I have to start at the end though and mention that nurse woman that I assumed again she got electrocuted, um, but that's yeah. literally the most overacted melodramatic scene. I laughed like Justin; <laughs> it was hilarious. I did write something down. She reminded me of. The Futurama episode, was it the Blue Harvest one? The Star Wars Futurama, possibly? Um, the intergalactic proton-powered electrical tentacled advertising droids. Now, those I've only seen oh, a couple episodes, so okay. I probably wouldn't know. You know you, those um, inflatable things you get at car dealerships? And they have the arms and oh, they yeah, move yeah. about oh, yeah. in the, the air. She reminded me of one of those. Uh, oh my goodness swirling yeah. about um i can see that again i liked the i can't really think of anything else apart from the flailing arm woman um i liked um that more detail um about wesley um kind of losing out and now that his mum is in on it how, what does she do with that information as a concerned parent when his kind of personal life with his friends has been affected because he's been used as essentially um, slave labor, I suppose, child labor. Um, so yeah, um, she when she should have won an Oscar for that scene. That nurse, <laughs> it was pretty great. So one other thing is with this deleted scene and the deleted scene in the corridor, basically 
you're not really seeing any focus on these teenage friends. I think Trekcore points out here the only time that you see them is there's a closing scene in 10 Forward and, you know, Crusher's watching Wesley and his friends from across the room. So you don't really get to know those characters because both of those things are, are deleted. And I think sometimes in these things, if they delete one, they'll delete another one that has the characters. So because there's things that are threading through and they have to kind of deal with both of them. But I think it's pretty interesting. It would have been interesting. You're right, Amy, to see Crusher like saving someone's life. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's go to the next scene. You can tell listeners there's lots from evolution here. <laughs> uh, so this is a scene that is uh, on the bridge. And so uh, Picard is telling Worf to advise everyone to stay in their quarters unless they're on duty. So there are these malfunctions that are happening and Picard's being really concerned. There's an interesting line where he says, priority be access to all power components, whatever that means. Um, so Worf is saying that it's possible it's not a computer breakdown. Um, Riker's saying that sensors show no life in the system and it's funny it keeps cutting back to Wesley he looks like he's like guilty or like worried because he knows he might have caused this thing so there's a couple cuts back and forth to that uh, Troy's sensing no life forms or feelings of ill will but she says she's not attuned to every life form uh, Riker says it seems like there's something going on and a little bit later, I, I kind of noticed this and it's funny so Picard's saying it like if it's true that there's some you know presence or something they're making a damn good job of it, which is interesting. But I think for this one, it's like if you cut out the stuff with all the malfunctions, you probably cut out this as well. And it's a lot of like, what's happening? I don't know. What's happening? I don't know. So I don't think this one's too necessary. But what do you think, Amy? You know what? This is the one that I really feel should have been left in okay. because um, I think that it adds a lot of suspense and adds to the plot like this is dangerous and especially with Worf putting in right. his opinion that it's an attack like then your mind is thinking yeah what if it is an attack and so I just think it no. adds to the suspense and so I would have kept it okay but you would need to have also kept the one before that has like the holodeck malfunction the replicator they Abs really go together yeah I wanted yeah. that one into oh, okay all right uh, Joe what do you think I think as Amy and I are going to disagree again um, I don't know that it added really all that much. See, when they do techno babble, um, I've got, I think everybody, when it comes to techno babble, has kind of a threshold. Um, when before the line, they accept the techno babble and it makes sense in their headcanon. And sometimes it just goes over the line. It goes, mm, that sounds a bit too weird to be techno babble. Like the priority B access to power components or whatever it is I was like we'd never really heard anything like that and it didn't no. feel uh, it didn't feel like something that they would say on the bridge um, mm. so I think for that reason I'm taking that out possibly okay that's fair so let's go on to the next one, which is the last one in this first set on evolution. There is more for evolution after this. So this is a kind of a, a tiny little change. So Jordy's in engineering working on something. He's like putting something into place, power coupling or something. And Wesley's looking at a monitor and he says, hey, you got it. Nice going, Jordy. And Jordy kind of says, yeah. And then it goes into an aired episode where they're talking about how to bypass the computer core. Um, I thought this one was weird, like Wesley saying, nice going, Jordy, when Jordy's the chief engineer, outranks him and all that. But Amy, what do you think? Yeah, we can get rid of this one. It, yeah. We don't need Wesley <laughs> saying, good job, Jordy. Like, yeah. 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 Joe? 
He kind of um, makes Jordy seem a bit subordinate to Wesley. <laughs> right. I, know, I know he's got yeah. a kind of key role in this episode because it's his fault. Um, but yeah, it's like he's forgotten the chain of command almost. Yeah, it is weird. So uh, yeah, I think we'll get rid of that one. All right, guys. So should we move on to the second half of deleted scenes from Evolution? Do it. All right. So this has five more deleted scenes. In the first deleted scene, so so this is when you, I think Riker and Jordy are on the bridge. They're talking about manually restarting things and opening a hangar door. And in the art episode, this like march plays Stars and Stripes Forever on, on the bridge. Uh, and then it actually goes into a, a deleted scene where Troy says she's sensing no emotions. Worf says the enemy is without honor. And then power's kind of resumed on the bridge and it goes back to the the aired episode where uh, Picard wants to leave if if they can. And Data, I think, is making some repeated attempts to restore power. So it's a, it's a little scene. But Joe, what do you think? Uh, the best thing about that episode is Data's um, explanation of the music. Um, but John Philip Sousa, who was like a, what was a 20th century composer of America, uh, blah, blah, blah. 19th, yeah. Yeah, so he just goes on, like Picard says, be quiet, essentially. Um, as for the deleted scene, um, it doesn't do anything. I noticed when Data's trying to um, restore power, up the top of his top right-hand side of his console, he's got a big, giant, yellow tri- tri- triangle. Uh, rectangular i'm getting my shapes um mixed up um big yellow rectangular button and he keeps just hitting this one button oh yeah to restore power i was like surely you've got a whole array of buttons and you're an android <laughs> interface with it somehow and do yeah you usually see them like tapping away at a lot of stuff but he was just like kept tapping at one button right yeah yeah super annoying <laughs> amy yeah for this one i don't think we need it again <laughs> Troy's not sensing anything. But, I mean, it's a machine, and so <laughs> yeah, they were just kind of okay. going at that point. But I don't know if they need to emphasize it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we already get enough crap that her only purpose is to sense things, and so yeah. Okay, well, moving on to the the next one. So a little bit later in the episode, it starts with the aired part where Picard's saying he'll have the head of Stubbs if anyone is is harmed, um, and Data says that. Stubbs' actions have really harmed everyone, but it's proven that the nanites have a collective intelligence. So then it goes into the deleted part of it where Troy's saying she senses a vague presence now. It's kind of like a primitive sense of self-preservation and Crusher's arguing not to destroy the nanites because they have some kind of evolved emotional growth and Worf's saying the ship's at, at risk. So then it goes back to the aired episode where Worf wants to exterminate these things. So it's a little part with Troy and Crusher and Worf giving their um, opinions on what's going on here. So, Joe, what did you think of this one? So I feel for this deleted scene, I feel like it it was already in the episode in some way. I think they just kind of repeated some of the details of it. So when I was watching, I was like, I'm sure I've seen this. Um, so for that reason, I'm thinking, leave it out because there's enough of what's in the deleted scene already in the episode that we don't need to have it in. Yeah. They would just be repeating themselves so. over and over. Kind of think so. What do you think, uh, Okay, oh. so Joe, we're Amy's just going to have to continue again. disagreeing. <laughs> this, I think, is 
important to have because now we have Troy, you know, she's my favorite, but she's now sensing life. So it's showing a progression, you know, throughout. And yeah, we didn't really see every deleted scene where she says she can't sense, you know, these beings. But so she, we're going from can't sense, can't, I can't feel anything to finally, yes, I do feel something. So it's showing a progression that these nanites are going through. And I think it is important to keep. Okay. That's we're each entitled to our opinion. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. So uh, going on to the the next one. So it starts with the aired episode. Stubbs is in his quarters, and and Troy comes in to talk to him. Um, and I think he's annoyed with Troy and says she can't resist and she only wants to help. Um, and he's saying yes to break the shell, get in touch with my true feelings. It goes into the deleted scene, and here is exactly what. Stubbs says, he says, what is the preoccupation that women have with demystifying me? It must be the challenge. Climb me because I'm there. And then it goes back to the aired episode where Troy says she's only worried about a state of mind. I, I like, I, I absolutely hate that line that, that, that Troy has, especially like, and that's just like an awkward way to put it. It's just, it's gross. I don't like it. Climb me because I'm there. Demystify me like he's this, some kind of God or something. I definitely wanted to forget about this one, Amy. Yeah, this one <laughs> did not make me happy. And I wrote down, I'm like, that women, and I'm like, women are trying to demystify? No, <laughs> that would be, you would say, I don't like that counselors try. It's not the fact yeah. that she's a woman. She's doing her job, dude. So yeah, get over the fact that she's a woman. She's a counselor. You, It, it could have been appropriate. Oh, I hate that counselors try and demystify right. me and try and figure me out. Well, um, yeah, that's their job. It's not the fact that she's a woman. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Maybe it could have been rephrased like, you know, what's the preoccupation that counselors have with trying to demystify exactly. me? It must be the challenge. And stop there. Because yeah. also the part where he says, like, climb me because I'm here, like he's some mountain or challenge. And there's right. something like kind of sexual about the phrasing. It's just yeah. wrong. I don't know yep. why they even filmed that. But keep it deleted. Yes. Anyway, Joe, you can disagree with us if you want, but. Oh no! I want to. I want to agree for once. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's just a misogynistic jerk, isn't he? He's just not a nice guy at this point. Um, which is why I liked the deleted scenes from earlier um, to give him some balance. Um, yeah, we hate him because he's this horror of a human, um, but we like him because he's got a human side. Um, yeah. Yeah, like that. What is that line? Claim me because I am there. He's it's got this kind of god-sized weird. ego to him, as if he's some kind of um, <laughs> Olympian it's, on top of a mountain. Right. And, uh, but yeah. he's so high above everybody else that people have to climb to get up to his level. It's yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's really weird. But yeah, like it's interesting. Like they were doing some things maybe to round him out a little, and they just like pushed it way too far because they pushed him in the direction of being somebody that you really hate because of like his mm. views toward towards women so as trek horse says a wise removal <laughs> because man imagine if that was in the aired episode so Ooh, not good mm -hmm. all right so moving on to the next one so um so wesley's in sick bay uh stubbs comes in so this whole thing is a deleted scene i think they just start from there um so Wesley's asking how he is. Uh, Stubbs says he's fine and he just wants to get rid of the pests, talking about the nanites. Um, and Stubbs says not to be harsh with him until he's walked in his shoes. Uh, Stubbs says they're similar in their obsession 
Wesley is kind of obsessed with the Academy. He's obsessed with his egg, his experiment, um, and that others won't understand. Now, Wesley says he wants to go to the Academy, but if, if that doesn't work out, he has other things to live for. And that kind of takes Stubbs a little bit by surprise, I guess, because he's so obsessed with things. And he says, oh, of course you do, and then walks away. I think this one is kind of interesting in Wesley saying like, hey, if I don't go to the Academy, it's not the end of the world. I can do other things, which kind of ties into the other parts where he has, you know, teenage friends and maybe has other interests and things. But Joe, what do you think about this one? I like the fact that kind of Wesley's comment that there's other things that he could do um, opens up the Star Trek universe a bit. And it's not just if you're human, the only thing you can do is to join Starfleet. He's obviously a, a science major, so he could go and work at the Daystrom Institute or go to the Vulcan Science Academy or something. Um, so there's a whole whole array of other things, other career options for him. Um, yeah. I'd, was this ep, this deleted scene um, required because it kind of brings Stubbs and Wesley together again? Because they're both kind of key parts of the story. Wesley, well, Dr. Stubbs' big experiment that went all horribly wrong. And then Wesley, because he caused it because of his nanites. Um, I think I would maybe leave it in because it's helping tie up that relationship between those two. Possibly. Yeah, I agree yeah. with you. I, I really like the Wesley Stubbs, you know, because it started early on in the episode and some of the deleted scenes we talked about, you know, that Wesley's read all of his works and his autobiography. And, you know, so I like that Stubbs is trying to bring them together and it's like, look, we're the same and trying to get an ally during this whole fiasco. And I just, it's brilliant when Wesley's like, well, I have other things to live for. And I was like, that's exactly right. And I, it does add another layer to the Stubbs character that I think needs to, because I sort of felt sorry for Stubbs after watching this deleted scene. Yeah. I mean, because he's so obsessed with it, he almost can't imagine something else. And Wesley, this, this teenager is like, hey, there's more to life than the thing that you're obsessed about right now, you know? So yeah, I agree. It's, it's actually pretty good. Okay. So moving on to the next one. So a little bit later in the episode, we're on the bridge. Data is doing an analysis of, of the nanites, you know, in the back section of the bridge as he does sometimes. Um, and Picard asks if they can understand them. And it goes into a, a deleted scene where Picard is seeing if they can ask the nanites for a ceasefire and data puts it in and says, the answer is no. Picard says to tell them it's critical for the nanite survival and their own. Data puts that in. Answer is no. <laughs> so Troy says there's little trust after the computer core incident. So that's in the aired episode where Stubbs was kind of sterilizing some of the nanites in the computer core. And then after that, it goes back to the aired episode where um, Picard is asking to bring Stubbs to, to the bridge. Um, so let's talk about that part first. It was kind of together with another thing, but like asking the nanites some of these questions, Amy, what do you think? I think again, this needs to stay because again, it's showing the progression. Like first we have Troy sensing life and that there is some consciousness there. And now we're getting another step in their progression that they are now communicating like, I, I really think that it needs to be in there to show that progression of the nanites. Hmm. 
So you're wanting to keep in a lot of stuff. Maybe if uh, if TNG was an hour long show, you could have kept in all that stuff. I know. <laughs> Evolution okay. part one and part two. Well, it could just be one episode. I mean, there's some Discovery episodes that are a full oh, yeah, hour. True. So. Nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Get, correct me if I'm wrong, but there is already in the aired episode scenes of them negotiating with the nanites. Is there not? Cause I'm, I'm sh- trying to rem- remember because it's been a while since I've seen the episode. But not this direct, you know. Because I'm sure I'd this seen. this direct communication. I'm sure I've seen that before. Maybe I've seen the deleted scene before and I've just kind of inserted it into my knowledge about the episode. But yeah, I, Amy, we're two for two. I agree with you again. Um, keep this in, um, even though I th- thought it was already in. Um, yeah, I liked it. See the the Stubbs electrocution scene? I know that's already in the episode, but is that one of the only times we get to see the computer core in TNG? I think it might be, if not one of the only times, the only time. It's very rare that you actually see yeah. that. It's a cool, it's a, a, I like the set piece yeah. for that. So, I, I mean, I could be wrong because I'm kind of looking through it, but I think the negotiation in the aired episode happens much later where they're, the nanites kind of come into Data's body and take him over, and that's when the negotiation starts right toward the end. This would have been yeah. earlier, okay, I think. Okay, you might be right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it might have been interesting to see. So so then, um, like after that little deleted part, it goes to the aired episode and Picard's asking to bring Stubbs up to the bridge. Um, then it goes into a deleted scene where Worf's saying the translator has its limits and he prefers to negotiate eye to eye with his enemy. And Picard says, that won't be possible because <laughs> they're nanites. Um, Worf nods, and then it goes back to the aired episode with, with Stubbs walking with Riker to the bridge. So it's this little part where Worf is saying, like, we need to negotiate eye to eye, and Picard is like, um, you can't do that here. <laughs> but uh, Joe, what do you think? Yeah, it's like, it's that Klingon cultural thing um, where I think in another episode, um, that we're going to talk about today, um, Worf says something again, which paints the Klingon culture as kind of monolithic. Um, he's talking about seeking revenge on a civilization that died thousands of years ago. And here he want, has to be able to see who he's negotiating with in the eye, which I'm, like, I'm just bored with that Klingon monolithic way. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. This one you could get rid of. I think by season three, we sort of already understand his, you know, Worf's desire to always be on the defensive or to go on the attack. And and so for him wanting to look the enemy in the eye, like w- we understand and what his desire is. And so I'm I'm fine with leaving it out. But if we're having an hour long episode, then I say leave it in because it does add <laughs> to okay. what we know about Worf and it keeps him consistent. 
Okay, well, listeners, wow. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in evolution. There's 11 deleted scenes that we've looked at, and we've talked about that for close to an hour. So there is more, as I said, for season three that we'll have to do in another part uh, for the bonding, the defector, and sins of the father. So you have that to look forward to. So it turns out this isn't about deleted scenes season three. It's about deleted scenes evolution <laughs> and all of the stuff that, that they, I mean, it's amazing there was this much stuff that they, that they cut out. So uh, let's go ahead into our final thoughts then. So, you know, in taking a look at all of these deleted scenes for evolution, uh, Joe, like, what do you think or what have you learned or how might the episode have been different based on what you might have wanted to keep in? Um, Stubbs, if we'd put in the bits or if I had put in the bits that I wanted to put in um, and never mind the bits Amy wanted to delete or keep in, um, I think Stubbs might have come across as a, a more likable character um we agree to delete the whole i'm i'm a mountain climb me or whatever he <laughs> says um yeah. i think this pause if it was nowadays like you said it would have been a an hour and 15 minute episode because there's so much good stuff that they had to delete out which is a shame because they went to all that effort to film things and um and they don't just film things it's expensive to um, produce a TV right. show. so but, but I think they had to make sure to have lots of extra stuff because they had to cut it down. They couldn't film it as if it was 45 minutes. They probably had to film it as if it was an hour or so, knowing that there'd be certain things they'd have to cut out or that wouldn't work. Yeah. It's a shame. Um, it kind of is. So there's a lot of stuff like this out there. I'm just curious because you weren't on the last one. Have you seen the extended measure of a man where you know, you have all that extra footage. I don't think so. Measure of a man, the one where data is, they're going to take him away and uh, um, experiment on him. Yeah, that's right. And where Picard is defending his rights. So on the, if you, on the season two Blu-ray, if you go to measure of a man, there's a place where it says extended version. And it's, I think like 13 minutes longer. And there's actually some really great stuff in there. You should check it out. I know what I'm doing tonight. <laughs> but but don't I think there's two versions there's like the regular extended and the hybrid do the regular extension because extended because the hybrid is something else but anyway it's 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 kind of a revelation to see some of that stuff and we talked about it with um, Amy and Richard previously nice okay but yeah it sounds like it was worthwhile talking about this though um, so Amy your final thoughts you know after seeing these deleted scenes it made me appreciate the episode better the evolution isn't uh, one that I, I mean, I remember it. Well, sometimes I get confused because the nanites, I get it confused with that other one. Uh, the ugly the, bags of mostly water species? or Yeah, or the ex, <laughs> exocomps. Exocomps, yeah. exocomps. Yeah, those all sort of blend in together. But this one, like you said, Joe, we get with the deleted scenes, a more rounded picture of Dr. Stubbs. And I like his development with Wesley Crusher. Um, and how those two, he tries to, you know, continue to keep those two together, that they're similar. But these deleted scenes also show this great uh, evolution between like Wesley and his mother, Wesley and his friends, you know, and we get to see Troy sensing a little bit more effectively and that progression of the little nanites. So I think the deleted scenes really add so much more to the episode, and I'm so glad to watch it to 
get a better appreciation of what the writers were trying to do with these characters and with the technology. I think it's very well worth including them. Okay, excellent. Yeah, I, I think it was really interesting. And there's like so many of these deleted scenes, although, you know, we've talked about them for close to an hour. But listeners, if you just go ahead and watch them straight through, it only take 15 minutes to look through the two parts. So you should definitely go and do that. So yeah, it was really interesting, because there was all of this stuff to add to Stubbs character. And most of it, again, with the exception of that climb me kind of thing, and talking about women wanting to demystify him. The other stuff was really good. It was great to see Wesley with some teenage friends and kind of the pull of his Starfleet duty with wanting to hang out with his friends and, you know, Beverly seeing how her son has changed and that the nanites are affecting more than just stubs. I thought it was pretty interesting. There was a lot of good stuff to, to keep in. And I'm actually pleased that we got to talk about it for as long as we did, because some of these things when I was watching them seem kind of minor, but there's actually quite a lot to, to think about. So I'm glad that we did this. And listeners, again, will have more deleted scenes from season three. I know we have enough for at least another episode just on season three deleted scenes. All right. Well, let's get to next week's episode, preview listeners. Now, I'm not going to be here, so what are you guys doing without me? Uh, yeah, so so me and Joe will have a guest on, uh, Pierre LaRocco. Uh, so he wanted to talk about Kern, and we're going to talk about Kern's appearances in TNG as well as his one appearance on DS9. Now, I know, Joe, that you're not the biggest fan of Klingons, so you may just have to endure that, but uh, <laughs> there is a DS9 episode we get to talk about, so there's that, right? I suppose Pierre's challenge is to turn me into a Klingon fan. I'm, I'm, <laughs> Maybe. Quite, I'm quite open to loving Klingons in the future. Yeah, I mean, maybe he'll convince you because I gave him some different topics and Kern was the one that he picked. So, And it's yeah. Tony Todd who's terrifying. Yep, terrifyingly amazing. Yes, <laughs> and is. also terrifyingly yeah. terrifying. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you'll get to watch some stuff where you can get terrified. That's worth it, right? Yeah, abs- absolutely. I love being terrified <laughs> at my wits. Yeah, why not? Okay, great. Amy, so, yeah, a- and- where's Amy going? Why is Amy not here? Is Amy gallivanting again? It's still summer vacation. So, yes, I am. You're our the our only, world traveler, Amy Nelson. Yeah, you're the <laughs> only teacher I know that has so many vacations. Well, I will be going up to the Seattle area, listeners. So, hmm. I don't know. Okay. And that's in the state of Washington. Yes, that it is. is. Right. Well done. Geography. Yes. Love it. Well, it's been so much fun going over deleted scenes from the season three episode Evolution, but it isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network. Here's what you might have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, Literary Treks. But in this case, I like the character in the fact that she's a counselor and a Vulcan, because when you go to a counselor, most of the time it's about your emotions or dealing with your emotions. So... How ironic it is that a Vulcan is the person you go to to figure out how to deal with emotional issues Mm -hmm. from a non-emotional person. Earl Grey. Episodic TV is really good for watching in bed before you go to sleep. Because you can go to bed, watch a little 45-minute episode, and by the end you're almost asleep. So it's it's like a a nice little comfort blanket. You're saying Star Trek puts you to sleep? (laughs) Yeah, 
<laughs> yes, actually, yes. Um, even though I love it, it does. If I didn't have it on the background, I probably wouldn't sleep because I've become so used to it. Interesting. So it's like a, a soothing presence. Oh, yeah. It's that background noise of life. Star Trek, the hum of the, the warp drive. The ready room. Do you feel like there are too many of these arcs, too many of these threads running through a 14-episode season? And I ask that because one of the more interesting stories to me, apart from the Red Angel, the big story, is the stamets Culber story. Mm -hmm. And I think that both the actors, Wilson Cruz and Anthony Rapp, have done an amazing job of portraying this story the chemistry between them feels so real and I've really connected with the emotions behind this story but I feel shortchanged. I feel like we're only dipping in here and there mm-hmm. just enough to remind us that that story is going on whereas I would like to see it develop more and I feel like maybe they're just trying to do too much in too little time. Warp 5. But I think Brandon's right. You can jump to bound and have the same thing. Yeah, you can jump to bound and have the same thing. Because you can have him say, I want to leave, then find his replacement. Whatever, whatever happens in between, now he decides to stay and there's a problem because this guy wants to stay. Which plays out all in bound. Correct. So I think I'm not going to be able to drive Brandon as crazy as I want to. I will say no. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out all these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they're published. And please leave us a star rating and written review. That helps others to find the show, and you'll be if you do it by August 31st, you'll be entered into our contest to win those TNG collectible cards. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, YouTube, Windows Phone, and most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many ways for you to do, to do that. The best place to join in the larger conversation is the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it will come right up. So you guys want a bonus question? No, a bonus. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So listeners of your hashtag still listening, you get bonus stuff. So here is my question to you guys. Have you known someone like Dr. Stubbs who is really obsessed with what they were doing to the possible detriment of others? Um, I don't think so. There is one um, university lecturer that I had who just wasn't a personable human at all um he was quite he was known for being quite cantankerous and just not a very jolly person um so we were kind of opposite people because you know i i am light and he was darkness um so yeah i think (laughs) him although we didn't really have a personal relationship to any extent because i just avoided him at all costs he will remain nameless Yes, but maybe they should be anonymous. Yeah. Uh, Amy? Yes, I dated someone, and we oh. will keep this anonymous. 
Uh, he was definitely driven, uh, and he had reasons to, well, in his mind, I feel that he had reasons and he was unaccepting of any other alternative solutions and his solution was it. And it was to the detriment of our relationship and it was very, very difficult. That is one relationship that is still very near and dear to my heart, but his drive uh, separated us. It was to our detriment. Oh, well. So we don't, we don't that. hate him because we could do the thing where we hate this person for you. Um, and we could have, <laughs> no, have, him, have him. I, I wish him all of the best and I hope that he is successful because he has sacrificed a lot. So we won't mm. space him out the nearest airlock. That's fine. There you go again, Joe. You, you hadn't wanted to kill anyone up until this point in the oh, episode. Oh, I wanted to d- kill Dr. Stubbs with the whole climb me on a pole thing. or something. <laughs> um, yeah. Like just not a bad death. Maybe like being minced in a giant grinder. Oh. My goodness, Joe. Wow. <laughs> Come on. I'm, okay. I'm now known for this, so I might as well take it to the nth degree. Yes. Own it. I yeah. guess so. All right. So, so of course, Justin, what about you? Yeah, of course, I asked this question. I didn't have an answer because I just spontaneously came up with it. But, you know, I would say I've known some people in my life who were kind of obsessed with being famous in some way. And I, I really don't like that because I don't know, there's something about how someone can be single minded about trying to like get well known for something or, you know, get the right contacts or climb over other people or whatever. Well, climb, maybe I shouldn't use, but (laughs) in the context of this episode, but, but yeah, they'll remain anonymous, but there are some people that, that I've known where they're kind of driven in their obsession to try to like be famous or wealthy or powerful or something. And that rubs me the wrong way. And you see that so nowadays with reality TV shows and social mm-hmm. media influencers and people that are famous for literally doing nothing positive for society, just famous yeah. for probably looking good and advertising a, a branded item of clothing or something. So fame right. isn't always oh. caught up to be. I'm sure it isn't. Unless you're a podcaster on the Trek FM networks. Well, you know, there's different (laughs) levels of fame. I mean, people know who we are because of this podcast, but it's not this. But like the way that I look at it is, yeah, this podcast is is heard by, you know, quite a few people. There are a number of people that follow me on social media or whatever, but I don't do that because I'm interested in like being well known. I do it because I love what we do here and sharing it with people and interacting with people. It's not about being well known. It's about like the good time that you have talking Mm. about something that you love. So I think that's different. Whereas I've seen some people who go a certain pathway and, and they don't even really believe in it, but that's, they think the way to fame and power. So (laughs) that especially bothers me. All right. Well, that's interesting to find all that stuff out. So if you'd like to send us an email, maybe about a Dr. Stubbs type that you've known or something about the deleted scenes today or something else, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm contact. Choose to send to a show and select Earl Grey. That will come right to us and we might read your email on the show. You can also find the network on Twitter at trek.fm and on Facebook at facebook.com trek.fm. So Amy, where can people contact you when you're not... 
going to the replicator to get some hot chocolate and nothing bad happening to you. <laughs> Excellent. Well, when I'm not doing that, I guess I'm having bad stuff happen to me. <laughs> But the good things are, are that I am on the network here on The Edge, which talks about Star Trek Discovery with my good friend, Pat Devlin. I am also on the Fandom Podcast Network on the uh, talking about the Orville, which is why I talked about Scott Grimes and his character, Malloy, Gordon Malloy. Uh, so I'm over there. You can find me on Twitter at Miss Amy Nelson, but my favorite place right here in the Babel Conference. So Joe, where can people contact you when you are not going to the holodeck to go skiing? Do you know what? I tried skiing when I was in high school and it wasn't even a real ski slope. It was a dry slope with like really hard plastic bristles as this, the, the slope. And it was entirely unpleasant it wasn't even cold which skiing should be um they have these ski lifts like it's a pole with a disc at the bottom and you pull the pole down and you put it in between your legs so you're sitting on the disc and it drags you and the skis up the hill so you can then ski down but i was a young teenager very weak physically weak and i couldn't pull it down and it was kind of really elastic and it sprung back up and it hit me in the chin and i nearly bit my tongue oh. off so oh, wow. spoiled so thanks for bringing that memory back to me amy <laughs> um however my new favorite way to be contacted is my email joepodcasts at gmail.com i got an email during the week which was literally the highlight of my year um so thanks for that um you can get me on twitter at joyjo77uk and you can also get me on the babel conference and i'm getting better at using twitter and if i, I don't, saw that you're a little more active i'm, I'm yeah. trying i still don't quite get what it is or what the purpose is. I know it's for social media communication. I, I understand Facebook and all its, all its ins and outs, but Twitter's like a, a foreign language to me. Um, it's the opposite for me. I, I enjoy Twitter a lot more than Facebook. Oh, okay, I'm getting used to it. I just click the heart on a, anytime I see a blank heart, I click it. Um, I think that's just the way I'm going to start using it, and then I'll I'll be, start. Be replying. careful what you like. <laughs> oh no! If it's like a if it's like an Earl Grey comment, I will just oh naturally like like. Otherwise, my co-hosts yeah. will message me saying you better go on Twitter because people are contacting you, and I'll be like, <laughs> oh okay, I'll do that. Um, so that's where you can get me. And Justin, where can people contact you when you're not waiting on them to claim you because you're a mountain? Oh, God, don't don't even say that. I am not waiting for that. So when I'm not doing that, which is always. All, all the time. <laughs> all the time. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at TrekFan4747, where I tweet about nothing but Star Trek. So, guys, how about this? I am just about, well, I'll see when I have time. But by the time this episode airs on the 23rd, I will have finished my TNG rewatch that started in May of 2017. I've been a little bit busy with this podcasting thing. So I'm trying to, I'm going to be tweeting about all good things. I plan on having a nice long thread about it because it's so amazing. But anyway, and then I'll have to find something else to do. But uh, you can also find me hanging around the Babel Conference on Facebook. 
If you'd like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more, available through our special patrons website, The Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. I would like to take this opportunity to recognize our current associate producers, Norman Lau, Justin Ozer, Michael Huter, Thomas Appel, Chris Trebuzio, Jim McMahon, and me. Thank you for supporting Trek FM and especially Earl Grey. So join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey. Things are only impossible until they're not. Even my sensory perception picked that up. Great joy and gratitude. I, d- I feel like this was part Sorry, I have dogs. Jidzia, yeah, stop it. Stop it. Ewan's not a whole Ewan's at work at the moment, so I'm having to try and entertain them. Shh, please. I'm trying to podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Don't dare. She's looking at me saying, I'm going to bark. I'm going to bark. <laughs> oh, yep. Come here. Jads, sorry. No, that's okay. Sometimes I have to do that with my cat where I have to like pet her while I'm talking. Okay. Chad's right. You come over here, sit down, lie down. Good dog, dog, lie inside me. Come on. There you go. There you go. There we go.